Welcome to Bysize Dental Marketing. Today I have Dr. Matthew Allen. Matt, before we jump in, when we stumbled across Different Kind, the the company you founded there, I was immediately loved because I love the intersection of data and marketing and patient care. Before we jump into your company, though, I would love to understand your journey through dentistry and, and what led you to, to start Different Kind. Yeah, for sure. Well, thanks, Eric, so much for having me. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, excited to chat more. And certainly those are uh, that, that intersection is something that obviously uh, excites mm -hmm. me as well. So yeah, uh, I, you know, my, my backstory, dentist, uh, I live in the mountains of Colorado. I was living in Denver uh, at the time when I was uh, practicing clinically most of the time, working at a federal qualified health center. So not a DSO, but certainly, you know, we had multiple locations and certainly understanding, you know, how to do that kind of work. And I think I learned a lot about how healthcare could and should maybe operate. Uh, working there. My specific area of expertise is in patient communication, so something called motivational interviewing, uh, which for those of your listeners who might not be familiar, um, it's an evidence-based uh, behavior change methodology. It started in addiction therapy and, and it was coming to primary care and um, I've kind of helped bring it to dentistry over the past number of years. Mm -hmm. One of several dentists in the world who's a member of Mint, which is the Motivational Interviewing Network of Trainers. So I was doing a lot of consulting in that space large general payers, private practice offices, kind of everywhere in between. And the question I continued to get was, how do we measure this? And I think it helped me realize a bigger problem in dentistry, along with my co-founder, Dr. Kellen Brown, that you know, dentistry just doesn't have a lot of good data unless it's related to financial metrics. Um, so, you know, you go into any dental office and be like, what did you produce yesterday? They're going to probably be able to give you an answer. Uh, like, hey, what percentage of your patients have cavities? They won't be able to give you an answer. This is one good example, I think, of just the ways that we're operating blind as a profession. And so our goal as different kind was to produce meaningful data sets that drive improvements in patient care, uh, that drive improvements in overall health, and that drive improvements in practice growth for the practices that are doing the right things and doing it really well. Now, how are you collecting that data? I mean, I, I, I love the, the concept, right? But the, where does the rubber meet the road and how that intersects with the patient experience? Totally. Uh, well, I'll, I'll kind of go back just a little bit. So we, so this is a pretty familiar concept to anyone who's gone to the hospital recently, which you know, I hope you haven't. But if you have, you will get a text message or an email afterwards asking about your experience. That data is actually reimbursable. Um, so what you say directly impacts how much the hospital gets paid, which I think is really interesting. That is obviously currently not the case in dentistry. We do think that that's a not too distant future state for, for us. And so there is a mm. pretty good evidence base around the kind of data that we collect. And so what we did when we started the company was we went through all the evidence around what are called patient reported experience measures or PREMS. Carolyn, my co-founder, there's an ADA report on um, like patient standards report on patient reported experience measures. And she's the primary author on that. So we have a lot of good experience in our company kind of looking at those measures. And we said, what are the things that tend to impact trust and loyalty the most? Because we can measure a hundred different things, right? You can do lots of, of different, you know, points along the patient journey, which are very inclusive from the very first moment that they might find you, uh, hmm. you know, on Google or a search engine or something like that, right? Until they come into the office, until they recare. Um, that's a full, long journey. And so we said, what are, what are the things that tend to impact that the most? And so we collect 14 different experience metrics. We also collect four different, what are called patient reported outcome metrics. So essentially, dentistry has a lack of outcome metrics uh, as it relates to oral health. And so we said, great, uh, we can at least collect it from the patient reported side, which again, are really important in medicine. The way that we can think about that from like a medical perspective, you know, a good clinical outcome in a diabetic patient would be to measure their A1C. 
uh, a patient reported outcome would be to say, can you walk around the block? Can you exercise? Can you do the things that you want to do in your life? And so we collect uh, outcome metrics for patients as well. So that's uh, a little bit of kind of the genesis, I would say, of like why we do it. Now, in terms of how we do it, which was the question, sorry. No, I love the, it. The circuitous route to get there. So we, yeah, we, we contact patients after their visit. Uh, we, we connect directly to most electronic donor records. Um, so automatically, you know, contact patients after their visit. We know a lot of the information. So we don't ask, you know, hey, what's your name? Like all of that stuff. We know all <laughs> that. We know what kind of visit they had. We know who they saw, like all of that stuff. Um, so we're able to make some really interesting data insights once they complete, you know, the feedback that we request from them. Um, and we have some, I think, secret sauce in how we do that, right? Like I said, we have 14 metrics. Um, certainly, we're not asking every single one of those every single time. Uh, that's a lot of questions to answer for any single one person. And so right. you know, we, we randomize those, you know. So yeah, anyways, we, that's, you know, we, we do it after. Also, you know, this is something I say all the time. Sometimes you'll see systems where... They might be requesting a Google review or something, which our data is not doing that. Um, but they might be requesting that, and it's like happening immediately when the patient leaves the office. You're like, cool tech, right? It's like geofence. So as soon as you leave the <laughs> office, like you get a text message, and we ask how your experience was, or they're like asking to do it at the front desk or whatever. And you're like, all right, well, if you're doing it at the front desk, like you're getting some really strong bias, you know, and it's probably not real good data. Um, but we also know, like, this is, I think, part of the benefit of being a dentist is that if you're still numb, you're technically still in your procedure, um, whether you've left the office or not. And so that's not the best time to ask anyone anything about how their experience was. They are still experiencing the effects of the procedure, right? And so right. Um, we ask the following day, um, patients generally prefer to be contacted two to 72 hours following their visit to answer questions like this. Um, and so we asked the following day while it's still fresh, um, but not so fresh that they're numb. Mm -hmm. On the pre-show, you were mentioning that you see an increase in Google reviews by this. Can you, yeah. can you sort of talk a little more about that? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, I, I think it's a, a good question and certainly something we get asked all the time. And I think this starts to get at the heart of like, how does your data impact marketing, right? So we <laughs> collect private anonymous feedback from patients. So patients can say whatever they want. And we know that in general, when you look at the evidence, patients are more likely to respond when that is the atmosphere that, you know, which is created as the safe state. We do have service recovery. So if they opt into that, right, like, you know, immediately and you can contact them and all that stuff. So we you know, can share that information if the patient so chooses. But what we see when patients are responding is instead of it being a transactional thing, right, because the patient's generally not getting anything out of a Google review, um, right. right, they're, it's like all for the office in general, right? And so when you take away that kind of, I would say, you know, kind of transactional nature of, hey, please leave us a Google review. And you say, hey, we really care about your experience. We would love to know what that was like. What we've seen for most of our offices is that they actually even, you know, depending on how they were doing before. And we've had offices that work with us that, you know, previously are like really strong amount of Google reviews doing really well. And they generally stay about the same. Like we're not going to take those places. But for other places, even if they were asking but weren't getting a ton, we generally tend to see um, an increase in Google reviews, like three to four times the amount of Google reviews for these offices. And it's pretty fun to see, you know, since some DSOs where we've done some pilots where, hey, this office is on it, this office is not. They're pretty close together. They're doing all the same things otherwise, right? Um, they start on our product and they start to see this really good increase in Google reviews. Mm -hmm. So I think when patients don't feel coerced or don't feel like they're just somehow in a one-sided like relationship on the like, I want to talk about my experience, they're much more likely to talk about it. And it's just like, hey, we care about you, you know? Um, mm -hmm. I think that's mm -hmm. a really interesting psychological perspective with which to approach it. 
Now, I will also say we do have, you know, after they submit the survey, um, you know, via our platform, there's a post-survey screen that is customizable where they can say, hey, would you like to leave a Google review? Too? So we right, do, right. you know, have that available um, because we know it's so important for, for dental offices to maintain that visibility. But yeah, mm -hmm. we, we've been really pleased with, you know, how that process has gone, doing it a little bit differently, I would say. As you've gotten into growing the company and getting more offices onboarded, where do you see the most areas for opportunity for dentists and their teams to talk to patients? It's a great question. So we just released a white paper in July of this year. Our plan is to kind of release one every six months. So this one was on patient experience. And what we did is we looked at all of our patient experience data, um, along with NPS data that we have. And we mm -hmm. said, what are the factors, what are the, the kind of granular patient experience factors that tend to impact NPS the most? Because I think we all want patients who are coming back to our practices, who are going to go tell their friends about our practices, right? Like we all want champions. That's right. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Nines like, and tens. There you go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We need those mm -hmm. apostles. We need someone, you know, to, to be talking about us. It's much more effective marketing than, than anything else. And so... What we find there uh, is that the three most correlated metrics with NPS are what we call shared decision-making, active listening or reflective listening, and what we call patient consideration. So gentle, sensitive, and comfort level. Uh, most dentists did not learn that stuff in dental school. Most dentists mm -hmm. do not focus on that stuff in initial training. Most dentists, dental offices, you know, dental groups even, aren't really thinking about, hey, how do I help all of my dentists, hygienists, front desk staff, you know, dental assistants, whoever, anyone who's touching a patient um, to be the best listener possible, to give patients options when it comes to their treatment, to help them feel like they have the voice and they're the one who's in control of choosing what options they want to move forward with. Um, how do I help them understand that I'm being considerate of them and their time and their comfort and all of the things that matter around that um, and to do that really effectively? We just, you know, there's, there's just a gap there, I think, for, for a lot of places. And so those are the things that I'm most excited about um, because, yeah, everyone wants to have a dentist that is a great clinician, right? Um, clinical skill is important. Um, but when it comes to creating those raving fans of a practice, it really is uh, those kind of traditional soft skills, I think, that really, hmm. really, really do matter. That's such an interesting number. And, and I may ask you to repeat it, but I have an interesting sort of segue into, into the topic. Some months ago, we did, uh, I don't want to call it a scientific study, but we looked at all the negative reviews that came in across all of our offices. Mm -hmm. And specifically, we looked at general. We didn't get into the pedos and the, the, the oral yeah. surgery stuff. But north of 85% of all the negative reviews were non-clinical. It, it is very rare there was a clinical review. And it, right. and it, it was inevitably you know, a bad one, but it was, it was always someone had a bad day. Now we didn't have the, the statistical or the, the, you know, the nuance of, of your data, but it, it just looked sort of the staff or patient had a bad day. Right. Yeah. And it tended to be billing or sort of clerical in nature almost. Now, how does that align with what you were saying about the, the three primary, you know, drivers of negativity? Yeah, that's super Aspect. interesting. So the question of like, what makes your, somebody a raving fan of your practice, right? I think is mm -hmm. a different question than like, what makes someone leave? Mm -hmm. Because they are different, right? Like I'm my- They are different. They are, they are different. And so to your point around, hey, if someone's going to leave your practice, if they hated it, they're never going to come back. Like, what are those things that drive that? 
certainly we see things, so we don't measure specifically around like a specific part of billing, but we talk about like price transparency. That's one of the questions. And that's a huge driver for people, right? When people are frustrated with like, I had to pay more than like I understood I was going to pay. Um, obviously that then leads to billing issues and whatever. So certainly that's something we see. Honestly, right, one right. of the biggest, biggest drivers we see, we just did a webinar on this, the recording of which is, is on our website, totally you know, free to watch, um, is around wait time. Um, so not the like, could I get an appointment when I needed it? We measure that in a different way. Um, mm -hmm. But like literally I walked into the office and how long did I wait? People just, you know, tend to feel that most dental offices don't respect their time. Um, mm -hmm. those are, those are things that we see and you're right. I think, uh, you know, we, we see a lot of really negative things around, around both of those pieces as well. Um, and I think those aren't always something that can't be overcome. We talk a lot about how we want strong feelings in patients. We don't want kind of intermediate lukewarm feelings, That's right? Right. Because mm -hmm, if you're mm -hmm. a, a strong detractor and somehow you're like, Hey, I want to be contacted and we can resolve that issue for you. You'll probably become, That's a right. Right, you know? Um, that's an opportunity for us to repair the relationship. Uh, and what a better way to, to do that than to take something that someone was really frustrated about and deal with it for them, right? I always say, and, and there's a million philosophies on patient and, 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 and customer engagement, whatever you want to call it. I think you should focus on the top 20% and the bottom 20% because that's where your, your real opportunities lie. Because I, I can fix someone who's complaining. I can fix someone who's frustrated. I can fix someone who's willing to engage me. And of course, I want to take advantage of and, and really take care of my top 20% because the 80 20 rule applies. 20% of my patients are probably generating 80% of the referrals. Yeah. And, you know, we think that a healthy practice needs to be somewhere around 55 to, you know, 50% of their entire new patients should be referral based. If not, I, there's some opportunity somewhere in your patient life cycle. And, but I, I think to underdo that, and while I, I do want to spend my time focusing on my top 20%, because I, I should be trying to create more raving fans, not trying to create less angry people. Right. <laughs> I, I do need to understand why patients are leaving because my, my raving fans are probably experiencing something in that same story. Yep. And no, I, I love what you're saying because when you look at the, I'll say the real world data out there in the wild on Google, we associate good chairside manner with being amazing clinically. <laughs> and even though we don't know as just a general rank and file consumer, we actually don't know the difference. Like, I, I know how you made me feel yeah. the end, right? 100%. I cannot tell you if it was a great crowd. I don't know anything about margins. I know that I was in pain and we talked about it or I, I wasn't, right? So, so we like people and we associate this amazing clinical care. When we don't like people, we, uh, we disassociate this great clinical care and we assume, you know, poor. And when you look at the data, it, it's amazing at how many good reviews just assume great clinical care and how many bad reviews are just assume the, the same. And I, I, I think most offices would do well, especially if you're looking at some of those milestone of, I'm looking to add an associate. I'm looking to add new technologies. I'm looking to, you know, build a second office. As you get further away from that core source of, you know, that, that, that core dentist, I think you have to leverage some, some data to determine what's happening in your practice. And, and I, I love the, you know, the, the model you built at a different kind. Sweet, man. Well, yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. And, and yeah, I think that for, you know, most people that goes to, when we think about how this data impacts 
differentiation, right? Because I think marketing, right, is telling a good story to say, hey, like, what is the story that's going to resonate with people and whatnot? And how am I different than, than the dentist down the street? There's this great study that came out of um, Australia in 2012. What do people value in their dental care? Some like really cool things out of that study. Some really cool patient quotes too. listening to the patient voice, I think is really important, right? And mm-hmm, one of the mm-hmm, quotes says, like, if you have a choice of five people with the same skill set, meaning like as a patient, I see dentist, 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 right? Like all clinically competent, right? And the quote goes on to say, it's more important how they deliver that skill set, you know, than it is the skill set, you know, by itself. And so I think that goes exactly to your point. And I think there's a missed opportunity for most practices when they think about that first touch point with, with patients, which most often is online. And they're saying, you know, hey, here's what, you know, here's what we do at our office. Here's a list of a whole bunch of procedures. Here's, you know, we have great technology. And then you go to the next dentist website and you're like, yeah, we do the exact same thing. We do the exact mm-hmm, same mm-hmm. thing. It's like every dentist out there is going to try to be really excellent clinically and do the procedures that they were taught in dental school. And, you know, I mean, yeah, some, some people are going to do full arch cases or, or not, you know, or whatever. And sure, you know, there's things that you can talk about that I think are important that way. But wouldn't it be a lot more interesting if you said, you know, hey, here's some data that shows that 97% of our patients feel like we involve them in their decision-making. And that really drives their overall contentment with our office and their you know, willingness to go out and talk to us about their friends. No one else has that, right? So all yeah. of a sudden you're telling a different story. And I think in a, in a sea of relative uniform consistency, finding ways to talk about what makes you unique and what you're really great at is certainly going to be helpful. You hit it. I, I'm on record many times of saying that I believe that if a dentist would just begin to articulate her or his story, why they chose to be a dentist, how they approach patient care, and and really be a human being instead of trying to be this. I I know they're not trying to, but they're almost commoditizing themselves by saying, I have an scanner and I have a comb beam and I have... Yes. And everyone else does too, by the way, I I pass eight offices (laughs) on the way to yours and they all had the same thing. Yeah. You know, sure. Maybe they do clear liners and not Invisalign. Maybe it's, it's, but, but, but let's be clear. No one cares. Yeah. In general, I do care about you as a human being and I want you to care about me. Yeah. And and the end, I, I, I don't want to be surprised. I, I, I want to understand why I need a crown. And I want to choose that. I don't even know, you know, I, I, like, want, to I don't even want to explain yep. to me. Well, like I want to know what the options are. And I want to say like, yes, give me the crown. Right. Cause then I'm more right. likely to show up and I'm more likely to do it. And I'm more likely to like take care of it mm-hmm. every time. Right. Versus I always say like, we don't want, you know, to do anything to patients or not, you know, obviously like on them, we're going to do that. We're not even going to do things for them. We want to do things with people. And if you're doing treatment with people, you're going to be way more successful. Mm-hmm. No. And I giggle. No, no, please do. I giggle because when you talk to a typical dentist about patient care, they start inevitably, they'll start to say, uh, we have TVs, we have the massage chairs, we have beats that we give them, you know, they can watch TV. And it's like, those are just such a, I don't know what the term is, but that is just such a false flag of what I'm interested in. I want to be, and, and when you're doing three hygiene checks in an hour and you're running three columns, I, I, I think dentists need to slow down because in, a, in an industry of consolidation where consumers already have sort of the commodity problem of a dentist as a dentist, I feel like dentists are tripping over themselves to prove that they're the commodity. Yeah. And it's just such a shocking, disproportionate event. 100%. 
A hundred percent. Yeah. So I think there's a better way to do that. You know, I think it's mm -hmm. uh, something that we're trying to do. Obviously we're trying to help people understand that and trying to understand, you know, really from the patient voice perspective. Right. Cause I think that really resonates too. And it's like, this is what our patients say about us. And we care, mm -hmm. we listen, and we try to get better every single day. Um, that's that, even that's a story, right? Like don't, don't give me any of the data. Like just tell me that you're caring about it. And that's something. And I, I, we honestly see some of that, I think in terms of, you know, people who, when you, when you simply ask like, Hey, we really care. We want this feedback. We want to get better. We don't want a Google review. Like they're more likely to go give me a Google review now because I'm like, <laughs> I just want to get better for you, you know? And it's like this yeah. really interesting psychology. So anyways. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wonder what it would be like if you had the patient telling that story, mm -hmm. you know, if, if I was the one who had the work done and now I'm, I'm saying I, I came in, I had my front six worked on and this was my experience. And afterwards they, they made sure that I was happy. They followed up and I, I wonder, it would be interesting to sort of get some of those patient testimonials around talking about the experience. Totally. Not just. Yeah. And I think that no, for, yeah. you know, for a lot of people, like we're starting, you know, I'd certainly start to see some more of that, you know, and even if it's like not great quality, right. It's not super professional mm -hmm. video or whatever. It's like, Hey, we're trying to show you like an authentic view of like, who this is and, and what's happening here. I think sometimes what happens though in those for, and not maybe even for patients, but like think about it in a group, right? You're like, oh yeah, well, like we've got enough videos to show from the marketing perspective, but like anecdotes aren't all of your patients. And I think that's where, mm -hmm. you know, it goes back to the data. Like if you have data for all of your patients and you can really say, yeah, like show me what the top 20 look like and show me what the bottom 20 look like and where are opportunities to learn and grow. Everyone wants to feel good about themselves and everyone's going to be able to find a few patients to put on the testimonial list, you know, um, because inevitably you, you're going to have some, and you know, that's probably not going to tell you everything you need to know about how to continue to get better as a practice. And how to... well, Matt, this has been wonderful. I'll in the, in the notes, I'll put links to the white paper and the, you know, your website and, and, uh, the webinar you mentioned earlier, but I sure appreciate your time. And if anyone's interested in learning more about what's driving their champions in their practice and what's driving your detractors in your practice. I encourage you to look up different kind, Dr. Matt Allen. I, I, I think they're going to take care of you. It's a wonderful experience. And I think it's going to teach you a lot about what's happening to your patients in your practice. I think it's eye opening. Awesome, man. Well, Matt, thanks, thanks again. For having me. Yeah. Really appreciate it. Great, great conversation and uh, look forward to continuing it in the future.